In this episode, I speak with Linda Connors, an inspirational poet. We speak about the forgotten art of being still, innate wisdom and wildflower meadows, as well as her creative process and, of course, procrastination. Welcome to Procrastination Station. Let's begin. So, Linda Connors... Hello. Hello, Polly. Um, I wanted to talk to you about your poetry mainly because I know you do lots of other things. You said on your website that it came to you sort of in 2017, the poetry aspect. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and how you started writing poetry? Yeah, sure. So I've never written poetry up until that point. I'm dyslexic as well. And um, I didn't even really read poetry. Went into, went into London and had a coaching session with my coach and came back and, and went to bed. And it was late and, and a voice said to me, Linda, get up and write. And I got up and wrote. And these words just, just flowed out. So you just picked up a pen and mm. just spilled out loads of poetry? Yes. It was more prose at that time. What sort of things were they about? It was um, more the spiritual aspect of life and, and being human. At the time, I called them letters from the beloved, hmm. which could just be my higher self, could be from the beyond, who knows. Um, but it was poetry for me, and prose for me and on my journey. So it felt like it was guidance. And did you feel like it helped you? Was it, was it the process that helped actually writing it down or was it the words that came from it? I, I think it was both. It really helped the process of writing it down and then reading it back and also reading it out loud, even to myself. I, I think it settles in the body more when you hear, when I heard on an audio level, the words, and it, it really helped generate and create acceptance of this human condition, you know, the shame that I carried, anxiety, fears and doubts. It was, um, and also the lack of trust I had on, on my path and who I was. Like you say, you're talking about the spiritual aspect of life. And you also write a lot about nature, don't you? Sort of the connection with what you're observing, whether in a natural environment or sort of outside. Do you write outside or do you, do you sort of do stuff outside and then come back and write inside? What's your sort of process there? Um, if I don't have a notepad on me, I often send my partner... Um, WhatsApp messages with, oh, right, okay. with my poetry yeah. on them. Um, yeah, so when I'm in nature, again, the words just flow. It's like this creative energy, hmm. this inspiration, and I can, I can hear the first few lines. So, so I just start typing on the phone or writing it down, and, and then it, it comes because I, I see nature as in relationship to who I am as a person, to who I am as a woman. And in nature, for me, holds this 
really beautiful, graceful energy um, that really supports my journey. So you said you never really wrote before, you never really read poetry before. Do you find inspiration from reading now any other poets or are there any other forms of writing that you find in interesting or inspirational? Yes, um, someone advised me to um, read a poem a day. Okay, that's a good practice. So um, sometimes in my meditation or before I meditate or after I meditate, I just open one of my poetry books that are purchased or found in a second-hand book and, and just see what's there. Mm. Um, and I like Rumi and I like Kaviz, um, you know, those... Um, so all the, the sort of Eastern poets, yeah. uh, metaphysical poets. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Rumi. And you can literally just open up the book and pick a verse, can't you? Um, and find inspiration from that. So, yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting practice, reading a poem a day. I'm going to try that one. Is it a fairly finished process or do you find that you have to go back and edit it? Sometimes I'm, I just need to edit it for the flow, mm. what space is in. Maybe change one or two words. It takes me about 10 or 15 minutes max to, to write. That's really quick. Or even five minutes if it's a short one. And then um, I just may spend another 10 minutes just looking at the spaces between um, the sections of it or change one or two words. So how many poems do you think you've written? About 400, 500. Wow, that's a huge amount. And also a lot of unfinished ones as well. Okay, so the, what do you do with the unfinished ones? Are they stored somewhere? Or... I, I leave them, I, I have them on record, I have them in my files. It's, I always think if it's unfinished, it's not meant to be for me. Okay. And I sometimes feel if it's not finished, I was writing for my ego. So it's not for my heart, it's not for my body. And I'm really okay with that. Yeah, because I was speaking to another poet, Chrissy Banks, about um, her reams and shelves of unfinished, shelved poems that she'd started years ago and those have just remained unfinished so um yeah I can understand that does it matter to you if if no one reads your poetry or do you feel you're writing for an audience this is something I struggle with because I am an introvert and it takes great courage to share on social media hmm. because I'm sharing such a vulnerable part of me I do always feel a bit of anxiety when I do post my my poems or my writing um but there is this call i can't explain it that it needs to be shared mm. i would prefer not to <laughs> as an introvert but there is this call this pull to to put it out into the world and you get really good feedback don't you you do get people contacting you and or, or replying and to posts and saying they found that really helpful yeah, it's amazing, and um, even some of my more feminine poems about the she-wolf and the wise woman, I've had some men privately contact me and said, 
Linda, that really resonated with me. I just changed some of the, you know, from she-wolf to wolf or woman to man. Mm. And um, so I was really surprised about that. Yeah, so it sort of connected to part of them. It, didn't, it wasn't yeah. really gender-related. So. Do you want to read some? Sure. I have two, and then you can decide which one. Okay. They're, they're both short. Well, read, no, read both of them. Okay. That would be really cool. So this one is called The Perfect Day. Nothing special happened today. The clock ticked. Time moved slowly. The ordinary was ordinary. The sun woke up and then went to sleep as the mist crept through Avalon. Yet my heart was able to witness the blessed moments in the ordinary, the quiet miracles of being human, the chalice well invited me into her cold, fresh water. My feet gasped at her coolness. The sacred water whispered her secrets to me from many moons ago. The blackbird testing my trust as she hopped towards me. Both creatures of the divine. She played in the water and our eyes witnessing each other. I would have missed it if my mind and heart was elsewhere, if I wasn't present in the present. The ordinary became the blessed, perfect day. I feel that that's really hypnotic. It's almost like really relaxing listening mm. to you read it. And I, I can witness that blackbird, because I've got a blackbird in the garden that's nesting there. They're amazing creatures. And they are it looked at me the other day and like you say if you weren't still and you weren't noticing you would miss those moments so yeah that that really speaks to me that poem and and it's like you say the ordinary but it is extraordinary in itself isn't it absolutely and and i wrote that in the chalice well and it was a misty day and there was a blackbird just watching, we're witnessing each other. Mm. It was, I, I wrote that a couple of years ago and I still feel it in my body, that Yeah, experience. I could really feel it when you were reading it. There was, a, there, was a, there was a real sense of peace there. And I know the chalice well in Glastonbury and that, you know, it's a sacred place and it's very, very special. So, yeah, that really came across in the words. Yeah. And I think... I even wrote that when my feet were in the healing pond pool. Mm, and that's freezing, <laughs> isn't it? Kind of like numbs you. It numbs your skin, it, it doesn't does, it? It does, but it's so refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember going in there, sort of, it wasn't summer, and thinking, I'm actually going to have frozen feet. Like, there's a, there's a book, um, I think it's called The Woman with the glass feet or something and I imagined my feet freezing turning to ice and then creeping up my legs and my whole body turning to <laughs> like because because I had to be still yeah. I had to stop and then when you ask me about nature it's like oh yeah <laughs> it does come up a lot doesn't it it does yeah so it'd be interesting to see like out of the 400 poems you've written what the connections are and like you say, it is all about human, being human and, and the journey and experience linked with a spiritual kind of pathway, but also 
grounded in nature and and the natural world. Yeah, I think that's maybe part of my Celtic heart. Yeah. My Irish background. Your Irish background. Yeah, I was going to ask you about yes. that. How does that influence your writing? And um, John O'Donoghue, his writing. I love his writing. Yeah. That it, Celtic spirituality that merges everything together. Mm. It's almost... Have you listened to David White speak as well? Yes. So when he speaks, it's almost like you feel it. There's something very deep there, isn't there? There is. It's like a heartbeat. It is. That merges, that dances with the words. Mmm. I could listen to his voice forever. (laughs) And John O'Donoghue. Yeah. It feels like it has its own living energy, his work. Mmm. You've also got, like, from completely the other side of the world, haven't you? Do you feel any sort of affinity with Tasmania as well? It will always be a special place in my heart. My feet never belonged there. Okay. I had a wonderful childhood. Lots of freedom, um, the beach, the bush. But my feet longed for Celtic land. You felt really drawn to this part of the world. Yeah. And, like, what could be more kind of spiritual than in Glastonbury and Avalon so do you feel like this is your this is the place where the poetry sort of came more naturally because you are somewhere you feel affinity with I yeah I think so I I write a lot on the tour especially in the sunrise Mm. and um, around the abbey and I see my writing changing since I've been here Mm. because some people write to a specific writing prompt for example Mm -hmm. so is there any kind of part of your your process where you find you're being prompted or is it purely something coming in that's unseen I guess it's definitely something coming in that is unseen it's a whole body physical heart experience hmm when I follow prompts, it's I'm more in my headspace, and it doesn't feel natural, and it doesn't feel like there's a flow. It's something outside of you coming in and through you. So that doesn't really work for you then, the whole prompt thing, a writing circle or a writing group. Because no. you'd be like in your head trying to think, oh no, I've got to put something down, I've got to write this. And you'd yeah. be blocked somehow. It would feel like it's blocked and... It wouldn't feel, I would just feel I was writing something that for me didn't have meaning. For me, it's really important that what I write has meaning for me. And I know when it has meaning because it is a full body experience. I don't even think, I can close my eyes and just type. You've said also when we've spoken before that you've started recording the poems, like all the spoken word. Is that something you feel you're going to pursue, you know, with with visuals as well. Yeah, I'm really loving that creative process of putting that together with images, my voice and and music or sounds behind it. Mm. I'd love to have some equipment and take my own equipment out and record my own sounds. I don't have that yet. I'm just loving that creative process and, and seeing where that takes me. I mean, you can do quite a lot on a mobile phone now, can't you? Oh, it's amazing. You can record and take photos and videos and whatever.
This is called Layers of Gold. And I wrote this recently as well. Layers of gold. There are so many layers to this person, to this body, to this heart. I am not one thing or another. I am not one thing or another. If you ask me, who are you? I will respond based upon how I'm feeling on that day. The truth is, I do not really know. Still trying to navigate these many layers. Still trying to find myself in the broken pieces on the floor. Still trying to find a pair of sunglasses so I can see my radiant light that I only dare to write about and not speak out loud. Perhaps I am the seamstress trying to thread gold between the layers to make a human quilt made from the fabric of divine love that welcomes all home. And then I will say, I am. And there is that saying, isn't there, about the shadow and the 90% gold. Speaking for myself, it takes a lot of courage to to step into the shadows. Yeah, they've almost become a cliche in themselves, but but it's true, isn't it? Like you need to, as part of your creative process, almost break everything down. I prefer to call it the creative consciousness. Because it can come through in different forms, you mean, rather yes. than just writing. Yeah. Yeah. Cooking, using my hands to cook, painting. Yeah. Do you paint? Yes. That's the first thing I've ever painted. It's called Autumn. I work. Do you use brushes or your fingers? That was my fingers. I was going to say, it looks like you've used... And that's a really organic process, isn't it? Just using using your fingers. A bit like Van Gogh. Didn't he used to... (laughs) (laughs) Is it worth that much? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe in pence. about it is that it's so imperfect it's so imbalanced unbalanced um the sides and and it kind of represents life to me in a way yeah that life is unbalanced i'm really okay with a messy part of life having a messy painting that has no shape or form that really surprises me with you because when i'm with you you are so neat you seem to me a very Neat. You said about being an introvert, but you're very contained, you're very neat, you, you always look pristine, you're very measured with how you speak, and yet you feel really comfortable with the mess. Polly, if, you, if I invited you into my inner world, <laughs> it is chaos, it is messy. And I really I'm, like to hear that. Yeah, and, it's, and I'm really beginning comfortable with that. That dysfunctional part of me, that is really chaotic, that is really messy and and maybe that's why I like painting because I just throw everything on the paper and I don't care Mm. there's no judgment there's just an acceptance of what is this messy part of life that is still sacred yeah it's all part of you you're sort of in a flow aren't you I guess if I invited you into my office (laughs) <laughs> which we're not in we're in this we're in this beautiful room looking out across the Somerset level which is an amazing view in itself it it's probably a mirror of my unconscious world <laughs> yeah okay well this is this is what I like about people's workspace or their creative space 
is it a reflection of stuff that's going on in them? But there is a part of me that is messy. And and I also begin to accept that the mess is part of the creative, creative process. Maybe that's where I get the energy from. Because when I try to be perfect, I can never write. There's so much blockages in me. Well, the conditions have to be right, don't they? It's like the analogy of plants. They need the soil, they need the sunlight, they need the water. They need all those messy mm, bits yeah. in order to germinate, the seed to germinate and the plant to grow. You can't just have one part of it. You can't just have the sunlight, you can't just have the soil, you can't just have the water. It needs to all mix together in order for something to grow. Yeah, I wrote something the other day about... I see this sacred chamber within us and, you know, what if there was a seed planted many many moons ago and that's growing into this wonderful wild um wild garden i love wild flower meadows to me they're the most beautiful mm. thing there's there's real energy there's real powerful energy and it's full of life as well yes. it attracts the insects yeah. the bees then the birds and and the invertebrates all the bugs everything is there it's just like you said like you were saying right at the beginning you have to be still and you have to witness it and you have to almost not intrude on it. You are like, you're the um, the observer. It's all there. Just got to open your eyes, basically. Yeah. There's the forgotten art of being still. And doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually really good at that, I think. <laughs> Maybe not in my head, though. That's the thing I haven't mastered, the being still in my head. I actually wrote a poem about stillness and silence. Did you? Have you got it? Yeah, I'd love to hear it, yeah. I I remember writing this on top of the tour one morning as the sun was, was rising. And it's called When Silence Speaks Her Blessing. Today's blessing has no words, just the secrets from the sun as she scatters her morning breath across the holy stones on St. Michael's Tower, built upon hallowed ground. The bird songs rest in the air on the Isle of Avalon. The will continues to turn in the book of life. The old chapter breathes its graceful end. A new chapter giving birth to words that are wondrous that have yet to see a new dawn of light, filled with hope, courage, love and curiosity. Today's blessing has no words, for silence is her mother tongue, and she offers her blessing through the gifts all around. And to receive the blessing, I need to rest in my silence. With poetry, I mean, I have talked to other poets about it before and they say that it taps into a part of you that other writing doesn't or other forms of um expression don't like a sort of condensed Mm. form do you think that like you said about your painting do you think you will write longer pieces or do you feel like poetry is just the form that's for you 
I'm really curious to see where it goes within me to see what else it wants to create. Yeah. Because I feel that it has its own life form and perhaps that energy that's there at some stage will want to explore different expressions. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. When you're coaching people, do you find it's helpful to have that channel of poetry or is it, is it completely separate? Do you keep it separate? No, I, I share it. Mm. If, it's, if it's appropriate with my clients, especially if they're finding, struggling really to accept their emotions on a really general level, it is taught that emotions are wrong, you know, anger, shame, fear, guilt are wrong and to disassociate from them. So by, by sharing some of my poetry around fear or shame, hmm. especially with women and also with some men, really create space for them to look at a new way of witnessing their own emotions, to sit with their emotions rather than turning away from them or trying to think themselves out of the emotion. Because this body has such innate wisdom. And my point of view about that is um, that by really accepting, witnessing and meeting our emotions, it gives space for, for something else to come through. It was only when I really began to do some really deep inner work that the poetry began, began to flow through. Mm, that's really interesting yeah because I think as a writer myself when I started to take it seriously or really paid attention to it that's when things started to happen so people started to also acknowledge that that is what I did I needed to give it a lot more focus not mentally but Mm. I like you say from your heart I needed to just put my heart in it and then things happened but you're right, the body does speak. I'm very sort of empathic mm. and I can feel when something's right or I can feel when it's not right. But it's just trusting that, isn't it? That's the next step. And I think your cat wants to come and say hi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wants to join and he's like, yeah, I know the answer, human. I am the sacred holy cat. <laughs> and I know what you're trying to say and you just don't let me in because you've shut me out. So I want to ask you, is there anything else that you want to share in terms of your creative process? What stops you? I mean, you've said a bit about like when your your brain or your head sort of, or the ego gets in the way. And I guess that's a kind of procrastination. Is there anything else that prevents you from starting something? In a strange way, Polly, and maybe this isn't strange, the only thing that prevents me from starting something is the thought that I need to start it, okay. other than trusting that it will start. Um, I, I see my time in nature as part of poetry even if I'm writing or not, or even if I'm being creative or not. Mm. And I know other people do need allocated time to sit. For me, if I thought like that, I wouldn't be able to write because I'm not connected to my own creative flow, my own organic processes. So it's, for me, it's about honouring the process for me. Do you always get things done, though? <laughs> 
<laughs> what I mean is, like, some some people might say, well, like, I was, I was speaking to other writers, and I was saying, well, you treat it like a job. You get up and you do... You, you put the hours in or whatever. My body will tell me if I need to go out to the woods or to go to Bluebeer Woods or to go by water. Mm. My body will tell me mm. what, what I need mm. in order for, for the next thing to f- flow through. Yeah. And if I haven't been out in nature, it really blocks my creative process. I find it really hard to write. Yeah. I th- there is such a huge resource out there, isn't there? Just literally outside the door. Um, I know we are really lucky where we live. We are literally on the doorstep of the woods. We're close to the coast. Mm. We've got the uh, the fields. We're out in nature basically all the time. I know some people can't, don't have access to that. But you still have green spaces, don't you? And they are just as important. Absolutely. When I lived in London, you know, even a small park, Mm. A tree, um, for me, was really important. Thank you so much for speaking with Procrastination Station um, about your process. I really feel like it's just... I feel like I've kind of had a therapy session as well with you. It's just like I'm really relaxed. It just feels a very different process from what other people have spoken about. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Polly. Um, I really enjoyed today's conversation and... I'm just curious because maybe I'm dyslexic, so maybe I just have a completely different process mm. that I've had to work out for myself. Yeah, that's another thing, isn't it? Like the, the challenges we have as well and how we adapt to them. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Procrastination Station with me, Polly Hall. You can find out more on pollyhall.co.uk and social media at Polly Hall Writer. Goodbye.